Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. I'm Bob Boylan with this Plus One podcast. There's a joyful new album from Phoenix. It's the Paris-based band's first record since 2013. Tiamo took the better part of the past four years to make. And on this edition of All Songs Considered, a conversation with Phoenix on their work habits, on how they create a palette of sounds for each new album, and on making a joyful record at a time when Paris has seen such horrific terror attacks. I ask the band to play songs by their favorite artists, and through that lens, we get a clear idea of how this band thinks about the music they make. Their song choices on this guest DJ show involve a lot of dance music, but not for the reasons I'd expect. It's a conversation with many surprises and a look into the incredible detail and craft they put into their new music. Laurent Bronkowitz and Tamar Mars were at the NPR Bureau in New York City. I was in Washington, D.C. We start off by talking about a song from their childhood. It's a song by Alain Chomfort. Thomas explains. It's a classic French 80s song. In that era, uh, Alain Chomfort was working with Serge Gainsbourg. It was everywhere. It was on the radio. It was a more complex and ambitious uh, record from this mainstream character who's sort of a French Brian Ferry, really handsome, and uh, that was the vinyl. My my parents had that vinyl, and uh, let's hear a little bit of it. hundred miles away and I can't see your faces but I can only imagine that you're smiling right now <laughs> yeah it's true we, uh, we were smiling so, so yeah yeah it felt very good you know when you're very far from home those songs suddenly they mean a lot when we are on tour those songs from our childhood they become very important very powerful so yeah, we were uh, we were smiling and we we were dreaming. <laughs> it felt it that song is so uh, 
ambitious for him and also knew in terms of arrangements that when that clap, when you fade it, there's a clap in the end that looks like the DJ's mixing another song in, in a strange, uh, but it's the same song. Mm. And uh, that's how I, I heard it as a kid. I thought they were switching to a different song, but no, it's the same one. Let me see if I can get there, hang on. Yeah, so you think a new song is coming. But no, it's just a guy playing with the newest possible Sam. keyboard yeah, sample. What year is this, do you think? I would say uh, between 79 and 81, I, I uh -huh. don't know exactly. And you would have been roughly how old, each of you? Four. Six, six four. <laughs> would, yeah. yeah. But it, it's a good song. And the lyrics are really good. It's about a guy who's... A French guy imagining is some kind of ivory uh, hunter, you know, Hunt, uh, hunting for ivory. <laughs> ivory. <laughs> oh, I see. So it's about you know dreaming of another life that is not yours, oh, really see. not yours. Uh -huh. And this would have been on the radio. Uh, this is like pop. This is a pop song, right? This is a pop song, but it's a it's a weird pop song because he came from a very successful record, and this was successful, but it was. He could only make this record because of the previous success. Um, I feel like that's his Sgt. Pepper's Lonely High School oh. Band in a way. <laughs> it's his, uh, it's his ambitious one, yeah. And say his name one more time for me. Alain Chanfort. There was in his voice to me a little bit of Bowie uh, in it. Do you, do you hear that? Yeah, he was a Bo Bowie fan. Do you, uh -huh. That's for sure. Yeah, you you could hear that. I did absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the same way, you could hear it in in uh, another artist you mentioned, which is Brian Ferry, the singer for Roxy Music. Uh, let me play a little bit of um, a song that you all picked from a bit earlier. This has been uh, been about 1975. It was when uh, disco music was kind of coming up, and artists who you wouldn't expect to include dance beats in their songs were putting dance beats in their songs. So this is a, a calmer song on the uh, Bowie record, recorded in Philly. Uh, I'll play a little bit of Can You Hear Me from uh, Young Americans. Once we were lovers
paid you down, David, but <laughs> uh, that is, you know, until that moment, it's one of the sleepier cuts on the record. I'm surprised by the choice, but there does seem to be a theme of yearning in the music you love. That song we rediscovered when we were in the studio because we played a lot of uh, videos from the Cher show, and she does sing that song with Bowie, and it makes it hard to listen to this version because I miss Cher's voice on 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 the verse sometimes. I, wa- I want to hear her <laughs> v- uh, vocals. And uh, it was both inspirational for the music, but also visually. Uh, there's a song on the record that's called Fior di Latte. Mm-hmm. And um, it was right around then that we saw those visuals of Bowie's face with pastel colors and then switching to shares face with other uh and the whole thing was very summery and ice creamy to us and very overwhelming that's one of my go-to videos if you feel you know if if you need a little cheering up comfort Uh that's Mm -hmm. that's the ultimate one for me uh the musical equivalent of ice cream then yes (laughs) and and this song uh i'm gonna play which is uh I hope I do this right. Uh, Fior de Latte is, uh, is, isn't that a cheese? Or it's also <laughs> a cheese, but it's man- meant to be the ice cream. I see. Okay. Well, let me yeah. play some of it. to fade this down i'm sorry (laughs) uh tell me what's going on in this song how this song come to be there is a that's the first radio play yeah it's important moment yeah it's the first time we hear it on the radio it's good it's ready for it's traveling at the speed of light (laughs) ready to be picked up by another civilization in a in a distant solar system <laughs> I like that. It, it's uh, it just left the stratosphere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what the distance in time between you, the time you finish this record and now 
uh, radio do you do you, is there a time like that you're not listening to it and then you hear it again for the first time is that is that this moment for you it's not really about about the time it's more the fact that suddenly it, it belongs not only to us but to uh, and for it's very important in the process the the added beauty that uh, the listener projects we value that very much so it's it's important yeah it's like when your child grows up and now you've, you've <laughs> done all you can you've put all your 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 thought and work into it and and now uh it will become what it will become and <laughs> <laughs> there there is at the end of the course right when you faded God, people I'm don't I'm fading it. right at the wrong time no no no, no 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 uh, no no uh no you we, we could hear it but uh I'm just jumping on the occasion that yeah. there is a the sound of a kiss that um, <laughs> that no one really uh, at the end of the course does a <laughs> double kiss <laughs> that's a signature double kiss uh, so it's at the end of every verse if uh, yeah that's we'll just for people to yeah. to hear it and the song is about I mean obviously there's there's brightness here. It's a song about desire, I would say, uh, Fior di Latte being the most erotic ice cream <laughs> the Italian could uh, imagine. So I would say it's our kind of it's our, uh, little red Corvette was Prince's choice. We as European, we picked the Fior di Latte. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a song yeah, about so. being a mama's boy, which a lot of Italian kids are. They have this strange, controversial fantasies about about the mama, and uh, sometimes it crosses over into sexual fantasies. Oh. Um, yeah, not to be, <laughs> but that's a strange Italian feature, and the fior di latte is like uh, it's about being a mama's boy. Wow, I didn't <laughs> see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope you didn't see that coming. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, help me imagine a, a a day in the life of Phoenix <laughs> before the record. Like, okay, so you you're going to start a new record. What are your sort of habits and from inception to song? We pick up a place, and then you know, at this time it was in an old operetta house in Paris. It's been converted in a modern kind of venue and museum. And they had a little studio hmm. in the last on the last floor. So that was step one. And then step two is to find the right companions in terms of musical equipment. We refer to it as our, our palette, you know, like sure. painters. Yeah, so yeah. We, we pick up carefully a few keyboards and guitars. We we feel are, are going to be good com companions. And then we we go there every day, you know, like from 10 to 7. Uh -huh, which is o the working day. It's That's a, our working yeah, day. Yeah. And then we go there uh, day after day and we just, we just spend hours uh, writing music without really thinking about if it's good or bad. Then we edit it and this is when the, the problems... <laughs> <laughs> the headache and the frustration. That's, that's the bad, that bad part. Uh -huh. I want you to just imagine something. Imagine you're a band in 1964 and you have to put out two albums a year. Yeah, we would, <laughs> yeah. Have, we would have a different career. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the issue is that there's no more limits in terms of music. Everything is possible, so it 
Most of the time we spend in the studio, we, sp we spend it to create a frame, to just have those limits, to have something coherent in the end. But usually, uh, I think when you're pressured by time and by, you know, when you have only a few options of instruments, uh, when everything's not interchangeable and you have, it's not a huge world of possibilities, things happen faster. And it's, this is also a time where you have to reshape so much the sound itself that it's extremely time consuming just because there is so much music that's been out already and that you need a new direction. So I think I think that if we would be, I mean, it's pretentious of me to say that, but if we would be in the 60s, I wouldn't be surprised if we would come up with way more, you know, with two albums a, a year. That seems possible to me. Uh -huh. But uh, <laughs> I think it's the time that call for this long gap between records. It's also helpful to create mystery, which is a little, yeah. uh, which is hard these days to keep mystery. So we need, I mean, us personally, we need to go away a little bit and, and stay and have this austere life in the studio to come up with something interesting. You're also probably all raising families and stuff at this point in life, right? Yeah, but we do work in office hours. Uh -huh. I think because it's it's a miracle to us that this is our work because it doesn't feel like one. So uh, the fact that we treat it like, well, that we make it our work is even more a victory to us. <laughs> so um, we don't really need to have night hours and, and, and stay late in the studio to, to come up with, with things. It's more the... Like Bonko was saying, it's the editing part that takes all our time and energy. What If you think about this album and this selection of songs, pick me the one that, when it came down to the editing, that was the hardest and the, maybe turned out to be the most rewarding. I don't know, but, but play, pick me the... And, uh. and tell me if there's a moment there I should listen for that, or a sound or something that was hard to decide or work through. A lot of time it's about, you know, um, preserving the the little magic that was in the very, very early take. Mm -hmm. And there's this this little thing that is very hard to describe and the the charm. We spend a lot a lot of time just trying to build a song around it without destroying it. Which is sometimes very uh, time consuming and uh, scary because you know you can lose it with one bad decision. So yeah. I'm not sure if people understand what I mean, but <laughs> it's really about that. You know, we have something uh, like an, uh, an emotion that we recognize in this magma, in this cha chaos of, you mm -hmm. know, ideas. And we have to, to make sure that it's there in, in on the record, uh, like when two years after this emotion should be there. and magnified I don't know yeah. so what should I play what should you play <laughs> uh, J-Boy you know it, it came almost as a whole piece you know where the first take is very close to the final thing but huh. but it took two but years but right? it took two years yeah. it's like we missed two two percent and it took us a lot a very long time <laughs> to get there which is weird our life is a bit str a bit strange but yeah, here we go. You get used to it. We we added in J Boy if you if you play the opening, we added um once the sounds were matching what we wanted to hear, uh, there was a big relief and we kept the I'm exhaling yeah that ah, 
<laughs> That's a sound of relief that was a natural um, that we kept because we were happy that we saw the end of this uh, journey. <laughs> this is J-Boy. Let's listen to it a little bit. Michelangelo, something by the juice you are Shiny, shiny fingers on your wrists. And at the mask we pulled, you trapped in the vault and an empty aquarium. Suddenly you're out of the woods. Side of an alley, you're out of words. When I thought it was radium at first. J-Boy, which, which uh, the letters, I guess, stand for just because of you. Um, there's a line that says, uh, something I was stealing for no reason at all. They hang, hang me higher than a disco ball. There's lots of references, and, and, and in the, some of the songs that you've picked, references to an era of music that is painful for some and pleasure for others, <laughs> the, 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 disco, uh, the disco movement. Where, what is your attraction to music, or at least it seems to me, music that's... Uh, so long ago and feels like days gone by uh, it's an interesting question <laughs> <laughs> uh, the time doesn't really really matter I think what we like is the fact that I think we would never have been to one of these disco Studio 54 we like it you know uh, from the French perspective of people who never go there you know and mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that if we had been around, we would have hated it. <laughs> and but I was around, and and yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we, we'll, it's it's exactly why we love, you know, like Italian trying to do d disco music or uh, David Bowie trying to be a R and B artist. You know, we love this moment where people dream about something and they make it, you know, more beautiful than it actually is. I love that. And, and so uh, distortion is to us is very important. So uh, if if I were to ask you to pick me from your list of songs, from things that you love, uh, a piece of music that also illustrates that notion that someone is doing something sort of outside of what they normally would do, uh, you know, in in, in a musically masquerading, what would that uh, piece of music be? Yeah, that would be uh, Lucio Battisti, Amar Simpo. And which who is, is a, Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of an Italian version of, of, you know, dance music from the U.S., but reimagined through the perspective of, of an Italian uh, genius, because he's a genius. What year was this done? 
76. Okay. Could it be? Seven, maybe. So in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's listen a little. No. I'm a simple. Roughly, what is the song about? About, about love, of course. <laughs> Okay, that's the end of the sentence. That's it. <laughs> no, I, I, translate the title for me. Amarsum Poise means to love a little bit. Huh. To love, no. Uh, it's easy to love a little bit, but to really love something, that's, that's the hard part. Ah. This guy, Lucio Battisti, he worked with a lyricist called Mogol. He's, he's still alive, Mogol. Okay. And he... He was really, really a, a genius in terms of songwriting, and he he wrote maybe 50 classics, you know, for us, you know, classics in terms of the way, you know, he t tells a story in a very unique way, very Italian. And Lucio Battisti is a very famous Italian. He's, he's a, like a, a huge, you know, this song was like number one in the, in Italy for like six months. It was also a period in history, you know, where. Uh, when very good songs were at the top of the charts and this this happens a few times and and uh it's been a long time <laughs> it didn't happen i feel it's a good moment you know when the good and the successful uh, are aligned it's a lot of good songs to write yeah it's a lot and yeah. but he uh we should do a npr special on mogola we could host that, you know. It okay. One thing I noticed on your tour date that, and it's extensive, <laughs> you're not coming to D.C., so you fix that and we'll work that out. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that. I love this We idea. are, we are. Uh -oh. We are wonderful. Okay, very yeah. good. Um, there's a, uh, there was a song on the new record, now I can't remember the name of it, that started with what I thought was a Fela Kuti sample. Am I, am I right about that? And yes. what song was that? That's a so song called Fleur de Lis. Can I play a little and then you uh, tell me what uh, what's going yeah. on? Yeah. That's the sample, yeah? That's, yeah. Expensive shit is the name of the song. Ah, uh, yes.
That is such a summer hit. <laughs> I I don't know what uh, whether that comes out as a single or not, but boy, that hook's amazing. Thank you. Uh, we don't know if it's on the on the record. Bronco plays a few times the Morse code. He has a Morse code, uh, <laughs> uh, and he has it live too. So I hope people notice on his keyboard there's a Morse code. Uh, that's uh, every time I hear it, I can see it live because we that's a song we don't play live yet. I can't wait to play just for that moment to see him play this. What does it spell out, the Morse code? Does it spell a word? Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, well, okay. Yeah, huh? I, don't, don't, I don't know French, so you could just like whisper it in my ear as to what it is, because otherwise I won't get can, can we say it on the radio? Let's start there. Uh, yes. It's in it's French. It's no. it's, uh, yeah, yeah. In French, it, of course. Yeah. Uh, but there is a a tool we use a lot, which is a thing that converts sentences into Morse code, but in MIDI, which is the language, you know, of... Uh, oh, my gosh. So we use that a lot because it's kind of... A, it's a generator of rhythm, and and we love, you know, to introduce uh, random things. Right. We notice that Chance is a better songwriter than we are. <laughs> so for people who don't understand what you were just saying, I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. Uh, which is that basically you are typing a phrase into a computer. Correct. Then, then uh, that phrase is generating out of the letters uh, a Morse code. Then that Morse code is turning those <laughs> whatever, the d dots and the dashes yeah. into notes you call them MIDI notes, a piece of digital information that will translate then to a keyboard that will then play out a melody, and that will surprise you, and from that surprise comes magic. Exactly. <laughs> You're good. You're already good. <laughs> I, I love that you do that. <laughs> now, the, the biggest question, what is the word? <laughs> oh, it could be a... Um, uh, in this song? It could be, no, in this song, I, we don't remember. I, okay. It was a... It was a bunch of words that were key. Uh, that's something we learned from. That's I know that that's something they do in w when they m make movies. Is that usually when you make a movie, you have so many decisions to make uh, every day that you come up with. One of the trick is you come up with uh, a few words to sum up the movie, hmm. and that helps you. You know, if the word is, for instance, a word in, in on this on this album was. Uh, gelato, like mm -hmm. the ice cream. Right, so right. if we have to choose between two sounds, we'll take the one that sounds the most or that feels the most like it's l related to this. And so we we would pick up a few words here and there, and uh, but that's always helpful to uh, just not necessarily make the whole thing more coherent, but for us to get some sort of direction and to... Uh, it's just an excuse to all agree on something sometimes. I love the way you work. This is just <laughs> yeah, absolutely <it's> very fascinating. <laughs> it's very deep and very in, uh, in intertwined and thought through. Although there, there does seem, because you throw in the element of chance, it doesn't feel, um, what's the word I want to look for, stiff or controlled. There's both a sense of control and, and a sense of, uh, of randomness and a... And a yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. It's, it's, I love it's that. This tension is important. Yeah. yeah. 
When, uh, one more thought, which is a completely different direction, uh, which is that the world from when you started writing this record in 2013 it seems much different than the world when this album finally came out. And, and you're in the middle of, of, of a big city working on this record that uh, was deeply affected by so many events. And, and I just want to know if how that does or doesn't play into what you do. Of course, uh, it does. Let's put it this way. I think we could never have released uh, this kind of music in a, in a period of of relative happiness. You know, we it, we needed the darkness to come up with this kind of very uh, naive and uh, joyful music. Hmm. So it's a, it's a counterpoint in in ways. It is, but we we didn't control it. It wasn't like a planned decision. It was just. What happened, you know, like we we write music not really knowing what we're doing, but when it's done, we re we realize it has some kind of meaning, and this meaning was maybe to create a, like a safe harbor for ourselves, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. where we could have hope for the future. <laughs> I don't know, but it it was really uh, uncontrolled. Mm -hmm. And it's also the time when you're raising families, and that must come into play as well. So the personal and the political. Yeah, be. yeah, it comes on the. Uh, I think it's, it's a very joyful, hedonistic record, very simple, but uh, at the same time, I think you. I mean, to me, it's very clear that it was made during those times. If you listen to the lyrics, or certain chords are very deep and sad and overwhelming to me so I, I, I can uh, I'm sure if I, if I feel like that, that uh, eventually uh, you know other people will, will see it too but uh, yeah we were very surprised when we made just making music and making music that was very light and, uh, and joyful was, was uh, we were the first ones uh, surprised by this thank you all thank you thank you yeah. thank you I hope to see you in DC Laurent Bronkowitz and Tomar Mars from Phoenix. Their new album is called Tiamo. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's all songs considered. Thanks for listening. Check out all of NPR's podcasts at npr.org slash podcasts, including eight of the country's top 20 podcasts, according to PodTrack's podcast metrics. That's npr.org slash podcasts.